You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the second series of the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, presented by me, Daniel Acterhouse, on the 18th of October 2020. Now, that may stir a bit of confusion, but don't worry, because this podcast is out on Monday the 26th of October, a few days before Halloween actually, if it's even going ahead this year, um, and the reason this podcast is being uh, recorded so far in advance is... It's because I'm going away camping. So basically, while this podcast is out, I'm going to be down south in Dawlish camping with my friend Matt, who was on the podcast last week or yesterday in my world, but in podcasting world in episode seven to go check that out. So that's the only reason, really, this podcast is being uh, recorded, not the day before, but about two weeks before. So the car news that I mention, if I mention them and you're like, oh, I already knew that, just just give me a chance, really. Um, and then the podcast will be more up to date for episode 9, I think, and that'll be recorded around that weekend in November, I think. Gosh, is not is it November? Yeah, it will be. 1st of November, that podcast will be, uh, will be recorded. But anyway, um, let's not talk too much about that. This podcast is just going to be pre-recorded a bit. So it will be some old news by the time this podcast is out. And the weird thing is, I don't know what position the world is going to be with COVID and football or whatever i don't know what you're into when this podcast is released so it's it's very very unusual but anyway let's get on with it because a lot has been going on in the motoring world uh, but just before i start it um start the podcast talking about everything correlated what you've been waiting for obviously um since the last podcast um do have a look at last week's podcast because as i said just before my friend matthew lovehouse came on the show and we discussed the mazda rx7 weird because we had a rotary car on the piston podcast something that hasn't been done before but oh well, it doesn't matter. Um, it was a good chat anyway. We, it was about 32 minutes, I think. We chatted about Volkswagen Golf GTI, um, the Toyota Grimmina Yaris, the new track-focused one that's coming out soon. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of chitter-chatter, so if you haven't already listened to it, then do go and check that out. Greatly appreciated. And last bit of random um, nonsense promo, if you haven't already, do subscribe to the Piston Podcast, or follow it, or do whatever you do on your platform you are listening to this podcast on. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Daniel Cars 5 as well for the Piston Podcast updates and loads more. But anyway, let's get on with some actual interesting stuff um, because Cupra um, has been spotted testing using the Audi RS3's five-cylinder engine. So Seat's performance division looks poised to release a properly hotted up Fomenter if these spy shoots from the Nürburgring are anything to go by. Now, that's interesting. Cupra and Seat going with Audi. It's all the VAG, the VAG group, um, Volkswagen Audi group, all merging together to make this amazing car. But it's another SUV, isn't it? Of course, it's another SUV. SUVs seem to be the craze, and it's all because of the car I talked about last week on the podcast, the Range Rover that came out in the 70s. The original Range Rover, that probably sparked it all sparked it all so i mentioned um mercedes uh, this is two weeks ago in the podcast i mentioned that mercedes were probably going to lose the v8 uh, for the c63 um 
Uh, and then I also mentioned something about how they're ditching manual transmission. Well, I've actually been uh, reading a lot of Facebook comments and Twitter comments about this. And people have been saying, really, I don't massively care. Because people have a Mercedes just to cruise around in, really. And also, flappy paddles are more efficient anyway. So, why not? I don't see the problem. That's what I've been reading up. And fair enough, I sort of agree with them. Um, and you may, if you can afford a Mercedes, you may as well just get a small second car with a manual gearbox if you really crave that excitement. But there we go. The UK will ban people from picking up mobile phones while driving. The Department of Transport is set to enact the new legislation next year. Now, this is interesting. How are they going to force, enforce this? Is it going to be a feature that knows that you're driving and then um, somehow disables your phone? I don't really know. But how would that know if you're in a train or not? Or if you're cycling or you're jumping on your phone while cycling, really, anyway? Yeah, it's a bit impossible as well. Shall I just click on here and just have a little have a little gander of what on earth this is um, this is going on about? Because I'm interested. Because the amount of people I see, even nowadays, that use their mobile phone while driving, it's absolutely shocking. There's still a lot, and they just get away with it in a way. There's the odd bunch that do get caught, but otherwise you don't. Because it's very hard to catch somebody on their phone normally. Uh, that's if you're not overtaking them and staring at them really vigorously. Um, let's have a look. It says, We can all agree, as reasonable people, that driving and using the mobile phone at the same time poses a large risk to the security of public roads. And for that reason, from next year, it will be illegal to even pick up the phone if you're driving a vehicle. Does that mean even moving it away from a milkshake that's just spilled? I don't really know. Is it going to be, like, glued to the floor? Um, it will still be legal, however, to use hands-free devices under the new law. Uh, previously... Um, there were calls to ban that kind of function. Whoever made those calls probably had no more than three brain cells, but the ministers rejected those calls. That's quite funny. So, there are even hands-free calls, you know, Bluetooth and using your earphones, whether they're thinking of banning that too. That's unusual, because what is the difference of talking to somebody on the phone hands-free than talking to one of your passengers? That's what I think. I think that's just a bit OTT. Um, if any one of you still reading this article have decided to go to the Department of Transport building and throw an egg at Grant Shapp's face, I would like to bring your attention to the fact that last year there were 637 casualties on British roads, which included 18 deaths and 135 series serious injuries as a result of people using a mobile phone while driving. So this law does have some logic behind it. I completely agree with this, this person writing this article. I'm surprised, though, that it took them so long just to ban people from ever picking up their mobile phone while driving, considering the fact that the amount of casualties on the road that were caused by the usage of mobile phones have been increasing. Um, but there we go, and then there's a bit of a poll here. So I vote on the poll and see what percentage people agree and disagree. So it says here, the poll, what do you think of the law banning people in the UK from picking up their mobile phones while driving, etc, etc? I'm going to put, out of the three choices, which are, I think would be beneficial, it should be implemented earlier, I think it's idiotic. I'm going to put it should have been implemented earlier, definitely. I'm talking like when the mobile phone was invented. Um, and that's unusual. Most people think it will be beneficial, of course. A few people think it should have been implemented earlier. And a few people, 26% of the, the UK population, think it's idiotic. That's interesting. Why? So they're, they're obviously people that use their phone while driving, but that's, that's, really, that's really quite bad. 
But uh, well, well, we'll swiftly move away from that topic. If you, I'd like to hear your opinion. Let me know on Twitter and Instagram at DanielCars05 and I'll read out your opinion on the next podcast when I'm back from camping in Dawlish, which will be very exciting. Talk about that later on. Um, what else has been going on in the car industry? Uh, stuff that I haven't already talked about. Let's let my computer load up. It's quite slow today, unfortunately. It's not not good. Not 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 good. Uh, Mustang Mach 1 Special Edition has been confirmed for Europe. This will be the first time the Mac nameplate has been used since 2004. Ooh. Oh, that's, that's actually quite nice. There's a picture here. Shall I have a look at the picture? I know you can't see it. The listeners at home, um, because this is an MP3 podcast, not MP4. I don't get podcasts that have video with it. It just doesn't, it defeats the object, but oh well. Uh, let's get some pictures. You can search it up, the new Mustang Mach 1 uh, Special Edition. It's got sort of like uh, fog lights in the grill. It's got a new front grill, new front splitter, new wheels, Mach 1 badge on the side, new rear lip slash spoiler. That looks quite good. Really, really good. And it's coming to Europe, I believe. Um, yeah, it's been confirmed for Europe. I just said it before. That that's uh, quite quite superb news. A few years ago, I drove the Mustang GT, the five liter V8, still the GT, um, which is meant to be one of the underdogs, not like V6 or four cylinder, but for the V8, it's meant to be the underdog, the GT. But it was I was so impressed. You feel so cool driving a Mustang. Any car with Mustang written on the back of it, you instantly feel so so privileged, so privileged. So yeah, that's really good. Um, let's. Uh, by the way, this new um, Ford Mustang. Mac One is about to completely outprice the Shelby GT350. Wow, um, that's that's very very crazy. And it says here, it still won't be cheap though. Oh, I can imagine it's definitely not going to be cheap. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, Tesla Model Three gets increased range, design changes. So the changes include new wheels, increased range and other minor updates. That's interesting. Tesla are on a roll at the moment. I'm sure you've seen that they've made new motors for the Model S and the other cars that can do like sub 2 second 0-60 figures. It's absolutely wicked. It really is crazy. But, oh well, it's it's actually quite exciting, isn't it? The future is very exciting. And I think two weeks ago on the podcast, yes, I reviewed the Volkswagen ID3. So if you haven't already, do go check that out because the Piston Podcast welcomes not only rotaries, but electric cars too, because why not? Why not? Anyway, let's just get on with some piston discussion. Away from car news for now, let's do a bit of piston discussion. Um, now, I want to talk about the new Honda Jazz. Now, I know you're going to be like, oh no, Daniel, what are you doing? But, right, just listen to me on this, hear me out. I've seen about three new Honda Jazzes, and they've been 70 plates. Um, and... I look at them and I honestly think that's actually a really good looking car. Now, bless Honda, because when they made the Jazz back in the day, it was aimed towards the teenage market, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds. Didn't work out though, because all of the grannies seemed to get hold of them. But this new one actually looks really good. Um, and it's be re- it'll be reliable as well, because it's a Honda, of course, it's inevitable. But this new Jazz looks really good, and that's all I'm going to say. That's all I wanted to say. It looks really cutesy from the front as well, the new lights and everything. Really impressed with it. Um, what else has been going on? Top Gear. Now, I uh, talked about episode 1 of Top Gear. Episode 2 of Top Gear, which was on... Um, <laughs> that's the problem with this podcast now, because it's being released a bit further on in live. It's going to be quite complicated. Um, so let's talk about episode two. Episode two of Top Gear. What did they do? They 
Um, I'm trying to think now. This is the one where Paddy McGuinness crashed the Lamborghini Diablo and they had the Jaguar XJ220 and the Ferrari F40. That segment I actually really liked. It was good, and well, until Paddy crashed the Lamborghini, which wasn't very good. But it's all repairable, they said. So, well, but that whole segment was really good. And Freddie doing that 200 mile an hour stunt in the XJ220, fair play to him, because I wouldn't want to do that. It all seems a bit scary in a car um, over 20 years old. But, oh well, fair play to them. Um, what else went on in that episode, episode 2 of series 29 of Top Gear? Um, they did the thing where they got the write-offs, the insurance write-offs, and it was a Ford Focus RS Gen 1, uh, Maserati Quattroporte, and what was it? Mm. Trying to think now, what the hell was it? And a Porsche Boxster, that was it. Was it a Cayman? It was a Cayman, it was a Porsche Cayman. And that segment was nice as well, but one big problem, right? They they got the insurance write-offs, uh, did a lot of stuff to them, fixed them up, and then destroyed them again. Um, now... What they should have done is fix them up. Now, the BBC have a big budget, and what they really should have done with them insurance write-offs is fix them up. Because that's the only problem with Top Gear, I think. Uh, maybe not the only one, but one of the bigger ones. Is that they literally just destroy cars. They destroy them. So, I, I really do think they should have done something with them, something with them write-offs. Sort of give them a new lease of life. Especially that Focus, because that was mint. Really meant it was just a body panel and maybe a suspension misalignment. But yeah, it looks really good. So they should have really done that. It's too late now, obviously. But anyway, um, tonight, as I'm recording this episode, episode three is on. And they're, they're, they're in rental cars in the sun or something. And I will talk about this upon my return, along with episode episode five. Um, so oh God, this podcast is getting complicated now with pre-recording business. But oh well. Let's move away from Top Gear because it's getting very complicated. And let's talk about something not car-related at all. Um, James May obviously is car-related, but this isn't car-related. James May is a new program coming to Amazon Prime, a cooking program, not Food Tribe, called Oh Cook. Very imaginative name. I don't know where he got it from, Oh Cook. And it's coming to Amazon. And you know what? It's probably going to be the only cooking program I'm going to bother to watch. Because I imagine it's going to be quite funny. And the whole aim of that show is to uh, basically say... If I, James May, can cook it, then all of the viewers at home can cook it. And for that reason, I really like that. Because you watch Gordon Ramsay, you watch Jamie Oliver, and you think, that's nice and all, Gordon and Jamie and Mary. But I can't do that, because I'm a bit of a dumbo, and I just, I'm not capable. So this is where the James May programme comes in. So yeah, that'll be interesting. But it's not car-related, I don't know why I'm talking about it, it's just interesting, isn't it? Anyway, I think we should go on some more interesting segments, the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week, which is my weekly car review, a car review, um, and it's basically the theme, it, it gets a, it gets its name in the title. Now, you must have been looking at the title of this podcast and thinking, why? And in fact, if you probably saw it, you probably wouldn't click on it, but... I'm doing it as a bit of a test to see how many people would actually click on it with this title and with the car I'm reviewing. Um, now, it's I think it's actually the slowest car um, and the smallest engine car I've ever, ever had on the Piston podcast. I think it is. It's the slowest car I've ever had on the podcast. Um, the car after this was probably the um, the Rover City Rover, which I reviewed in Series 1 with guest Noel Huggett. Um, a lovely guy. We had a lovely chat. So go have a listen to that podcast. Greatly recommended. It was an hour long. Just couldn't stop talking. Very interesting. Um, but we reviewed the Rover City Rover because he uh, worked in the motoring 
uh, Motor Trade, and he spent a lot of time with the City Rover and Rovers in general, so we reviewed that. Um, now, people say, oh, I couldn't have beaten that, I couldn't have chosen a worse car. Let's see, because the car I'm going to be reviewing this week, a lot of people hate, and yet I and a few other people on Twitter, the weird people, absolutely adore this car. Yes, it is the Daewoo Matiz. Yep. It's the day we it is. I, I know, I know, I know. I'm absolutely bonkers. Just before I get started with this review, um, I have done an article on the day we it is, and it's the actual story about how the Matiz came to Earth, and it's all uh, it includes the uh, all of the concepts back in the 90s by Giorgetto Giugiro, um the designer of the BMW M1 and some other cars. So um, yeah, it, it's actually a very interesting article. I recommend you go check that out. It'll be on my Twitter somewhere. You can scroll back and find it. Or go on my Instagram and have a look at the Drive Drive highlight. Um, I don't really know. It's, diff- it's difficult to um, promote articles on a podcast. Just go to drivetribe.com and search up Daniel's Tribe or just the story of the day with Matiz and it'll pop up. Have a read. Let me know what you think. Uh, it must have been good because Tim Rody promoted it to the homepage. So there we go. Now, the day with Matiz. Costed new, just over £5,500, depending on which uh, trim level you got. There was an SE and an SE+, Plus. the SE+, Plus being the higher-up version, getting alloy rims, um, alloy wheels, um, rather, rear spoiler, and a few other bits and bobs, a bit more speakers, just a bit more supreme, although the SE was cool as well. Now, though, they cost a dismal 300 quid, or maybe even less. I mean, I've seen one on eBay, and it's done like 50,000 miles, which is low, but it's for sale for 500 quid. And it hasn't sold. And I'm like, no wonder. Nobody wants a Matiz for 500 quid. It's too expensive. really is. Realistically, you want to pay about two, 300 maybe even 400 at a push. But it's got to be very good condition. Uh, the engine is the highlight of this car, I think. It's a 0.8-litre, three-cylinder engine. Yes, it is absolutely tiny. I think 700-and-something cc. Three-cylinder. I love three-cylinders. They sound like old V6s. Producing. Are you ready? Are you ready? It is... 50 brake horsepower. Wow, wow, wow. That is a powerful beast. It really is. And 50 brake horsepower is at the front wheels. It's front-wheel drive, which means more fun. Um, it has a five-speed manual gearbox, which is just mechanical. There's nothing special about it. It's a bit vague, a bit naff. But, oh well, doesn't really matter. Torque, coincidentally, is 69 newton meters of torque. Uh, MPG, around 54 MPG, but it depends. The small engine is actually quite economical, as long as you're not on the motorway because it's uh, strained, because its top speed is just 89 miles per hour. But if you're going through town, you can probably push 60 if you're a good driver. Um, or maybe even more. They're very, very economical engines, to be honest. They're very, very good. Uh, 0-60 is in 17 seconds. Wow. Uh, I do wonder where my life went wrong, actually, because I've reviewed the 911 Turbo S that does it in, like, 2.5 seconds. But, yeah, this does it in 17 seconds. But regardless, it's quicker than a Citroen 2CV, which may be coming up in the podcast in the future, bit of a clue. Um, it weighs just 775 kilograms, which is a car lighter than our Fiat Panda 100 HP, actually, so that's very, very light. The end cut rating is three star. People will probably look at these cars and think, God, it's unsafe. I wouldn't want to have a crash in them. <laughs> but actually, you probably would um, if there was a car because they're actually quite rigid, rigid chassis, uh, twin airbags at the front, and seat belts and everything, of course, ABS. It's, it's alright, really, compared to some of the other small cars around at the time, Fiat Seicento and the likes. Um, so, yeah, it's not that bad. CO2 emissions? Mm, ish, ish. It's ish okay. It's not great, really. About the same as the Panda, as I say, which is a 1.4 four-cylinder. 161 grams per kilometre, but oh well. 
Um, now, the Matiz. I'm going to give it a Piston Podcast rating of 500 out of 5. Um, the highest I've rated a car is 5 out of 5, but this gets 500 easily. Couldn't explain my love for it. I just love it. I'll try to explain why I like it so much in a minute or so, because pros and cons. Pros, it's very cheap to buy and run, which is a pro itself, isn't it? Cheap cars are the best, in my opinion. The tiny three-cylinder engine, it thudders, and it's just entertaining. So entertaining. If you head over to the Miller Corner YouTube channel, uh, presented by Joe Miller, a very nice guy, as I say, he's got Seicento Sporting, um... Uh, he um, did a comparison between Isseicento and the Daewoo Matiz, owned by Ian Seabrook, also known as Hubnut. Go check out that YouTube channel. And he absolutely loved the noise. You can tell by his enthusiasm, and I don't blame him, because they sound so epic. And the last pro, of many, um, is practical for a small car. Uh, it makes use of its space superbly. You can fit some adults in the back. Uh, it's a five-door... The boot's all right, I suppose, but there we go. Cons, it's cheap quality in a way. The plastics are going to be a bit rhinoceros spec. Um, it's, the body roll is quite catastrophic from what I've heard, and they can skip across the road a bit. And they have some bump steer, which is never good, a bit like our old Mini, actually. Um, and people will laugh, I've written down, with dot, 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 written after it for emphasis. Uh, now, people look at Matiz and they go, what on earth is that? And they just laugh their head off. And I, I've done many tweets now about the Matiz. I mean, I had a dream last night. I wrote, I had a dream last night. I had a dream that I had a Lamborghini Merchelago SV and it got stolen. So I got a 20 quid Matiz um, instead. And I said, all stories have a happy ending. I was like, a really good dream, actually. Really, really good. Uh, I only needed a few bits doing to it. And somebody actually said, when was the happy part of the story? Um, did you find that £20 on the floor? I found that quite funny. But, um, yeah, people will laugh. That's the only problem. Um, they, laugh at the, they laugh at the looks, designed by Jujiro. I love saying that name. It's a great name. Really, really good. Very good car designer. Arguably one of the best. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, I, I, the design's one of the highlights for me. I think it's a gorgeous-looking car. Really, really good-looking. In fact, I'll get a picture in front of me, and I'll try and describe it. I like having uh, a Daewoo Matiz right in front of me. It helps me concentrate. It really does. But it sort of looks a bit like a frog, or a bit like a hamster that's been woken up during brain surgery, as my friend Matthew, on the podcast three times now, described it. Hamster woken up during brain surgery. But, um, yeah, it just looks so, so nice. I love it. It's just such a funky design. And I can't help but want one. I really, really can't help but want one. Uh, something about them, and they're so cheap. So I can see myself in the next year maybe picking one up. But we'll just have to wait and see what the future holds. Uh, it probably be one of the biggest mistakes of my life. But oh well, uh, they're not a lot of money, are they, really? Not a massive amount, 100, 200, depends, really. So yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? And um, yeah, I would think um, people would laugh at me quite a lot, but oh well. Now, if the Matiz isn't for you, because you're a bit of a weirdo, then the rivals are cars like the Mark 1 Renault Twingo, which never actually came to the UK, but oh well. Fiat Cinquecento slash Seicento, and some other cars like that. Now, I will actually um, talk about the story of the Matiz a bit, uh, sort of from my article translated into podcast form. Um, I, I can actually read my article out to you, actually, the first few paragraphs, because I did it quite in detail. I can recommend you go have a read, um, because it's it's quite down-to-earth and factual, and people actually liked it. And The comments were interesting. Some people said, actually, I don't mind this car, and some people said, Daniel, you must be on drugs. 
Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I honestly think it's a fantastic car. Um, but there we go. So I've written, The day when Matiz landed from space in the late 90s, it certainly didn't have an easy arrival. Over 20 years on, is it a goodbye? That is the question. So, I said, the, the, the striking 90s design was drawn up by one of the best car designers of the planets, Giorgetto Gijaro. Uh, Giorgetto was named car designer of the decade in 1999 and was inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame in 2002. He designed many cars, some of them being the BMW M1, Lotus Esprit S1, gorgeous, Volkswagen Golf and even the DMC DeLorean. It's safe to say that he designed some fairly spectacular cars, one of them being the Matiz. Now let's get back to the story. The concept was called the ID Cinquecento, so it was meant to be for Fiat, and was unveiled at the 1992 Turin Motor Show. The three-door concept was finished in white and sported golden wheels, a sliding roof and a funky interior. It was certainly a looker, I said. A year later, at the Bologna Motor Show, Giorgetto came back with the Lucciola, Lucciola concept. Uh, there were a few changes that would eventually make their way onto the Matiz we all know and love, sort of, in brackets. One of the most fascinating things about the Lucciocha, Lucciocha, however you pronounce it, concept was that it was powered by a hybrid system, a two-cylinder diesel engine placed at the front, assisted by two electric motors at the rear. The car would be, cap car would be capable of 80 kilometres running EV only. Now, if that went into production, that would have been a very interesting car. But it didn't, because sadly, the Italians at Fiat were too interested in pizza and pasta, so decided to reject Giorgio's exqui exquisite designs, difficult to say these words, Giorgio and exquisite next to each other, opting for a rather dull design by Polish auto manufacturer FSM. This was their take on the new Fiat motor car. Yeah, not as imaginative. And this would be the Cinquecento, famously known from the Inbetweeners TV programme. Thankfully, there was a Korean company by the name of Daewoo, or Daewoo uh, looking to make a new city car. They entered the UK motoring industry in the mid-90s, making sedans. However, sedans were not what the UK needed at the time. What, ne what they needed were small cars. Lovely, eco-friendly small cars. Hallelujah. Daewoo brought the original design of Giorgetto Giorgiro and named it the Matiz. The Matiz journey would finally commence into production, but not for long. Daewoo would soon go bankrupt in 2001 and would be sold to General Motors for the Korean market. So, the first generation Matiz, the M100, soon would would sorry would only be in production for a few years. Blah, 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 blah. And then I go on forever. Um, and go have a read of the rest of it because it's, it's a good article, very proud of it. And it's a fantastic car. Really good. Now, if you don't believe me, then do check out Miller Corner's YouTube video, as I said, and head over to Hubnut on YouTube, because he has one called Myrtle. He bought it new in 1999, sold it, and re-bought it in 2018. What's not to like about that story? It's just gorgeous. I'm talking about it now, and I'm getting so hyped up. I know people are not going to respond well to this podcast, but it's going to be one of my favourites, undoubtedly. It's just such a good, good car. Anyway... If the Matisse isn't for you and you want something newer but still city-focused, then I'm going to give you a top 10 list of the best city cars currently, now in 2020, on sale. And kicking off at number 10 is the Dacia Sandero. Good news. At number 9 is the Fiat 500. At number 8 is the Fiat Panda. Woohoo! At number 7 is the Seat Mi Electric. At number 6 is the Toyota Igo. At number 5 is the Skoda Citigo EIV. At number four is the Volkswagen Up! Exclamation mark. At number three is the Kia Picanto. At number two is the Suzuki Ignis. 
At number one is the Hyundai i10. Hyundai i10, the new ones. Great looking car. Really, really good. No Matiz on this list. Mm, not impressed, auto car, for your lists. But there we go. As I said, just if you have the money, just get a Matiz. Honestly, they're just they're dreamy. And I know this is going to be a bit of a love fantasy um, podcast, but regular listeners will know that I've been counting the days for me to unleash myself and review this car, because I've had cars before this car that I've had to review, uh, like the Bentley Continental GT and some of the various cars, NLC 10S, blah, 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 fast cars. But these are interesting cars, and the cars that we all love sometimes, some people, the elite people, anyway. Um, But yeah, you have one of these cars... You're going to want somewhere to drive it. So, it's time for My Way or Highway, a segment where I talk about a road. That's you can take my way, that road I talk about, or you can bog off and take the highway. That is the quote I say each week. And this week, My Way or Highway is the A470 located... Um, uh, it's the Wales coast to coast, basically. So, it takes you from Landudno in the north to Cardiff down south of Wales. That's south of London, isn't it? Doesn't make sense. So it takes you through the mountains of Snowdonia, the Cambrian Mountains and Wye Valleys, the Brecon Beacons, and through the South Wales coal fields. Wow, what a road. And if you have a small car, trust me, small cars can be very fun. Proven by Top Gear when they went to Ukraine, actually. Um, they admitted that they probably have as much fun in one of them than they do in a low-down sports car. Especially James May. He thinks that a lot. Um, now, I've always had a thing for small cars. I think they're so, so fantastic. What is not to like about them, really? They're cheap, they're fun, and most of all, they sort of they sort of become a friend. And I just think they're fantastic, really, small cars. Cars like the Matiz, cars like the Panda, cars like the Twingo. Just small cars like that in general are fantastic fun. I would like to hear your small car stories, by the way. Um, do send the Piston Podcast an email, thepistonpodcast at gmail.com, or you can contact me directly on Instagram and Twitter at DanielCoso5 and give me a follow as well. Anyway, I think it's time to wrap this one up. So um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you all. As I said, I um, don't know what the world's going to be like when this podcast is out. Uh, obviously pre-recorded on the 18th of October, and this podcast comes out on the 26th of October. I'm going to Dawlish camping with Matt in the tent um, for just over a week. Bicycles, fishing, stuff like that. It should be a good week. And I'll put some stuff on social media as well for all of the dedicated Piston Podcast fans. Now, um, if if you've listened to this entire podcast, thank you. Uh, If you want to listen to some more, then I have quite a hefty back catalogue. So do go and check them out on your preferred podcast provider, whether it be Amazon iTunes, Spotify, anywhere. Just go and have a look. Anyway, in the meantime, do stay safe. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week for another instalment of the Piston Podcast. Stay safe, everybody, and I will see you soon. Goodbye. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Acterhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast.